for victory this morning. Hallelujah. Come on, clap those hands. Break God. Come on. While Sister Sharice was singing, I was thinking where the Lord tells us, be not weary in well-doing. For in due season, you shall reap if you faint not. In due season, you're going to weep. You're going to reap if you faint not. In due season, that's the morning time when you see the dew collecting on the grass and the plants. The Lord told me to tell somebody good morning to you because it is your due season. D-E-W and D-U-E. It is your due season. Be not weary in well-doing. It looks like it's frivolous. It looks like it's not going to pay off. It looks like you're just spinning your wheels. You feel like a hamster on the wheel going nowhere. And you feel like, Lord, I'm on this, this wheel. I'm on this treadmill and I'm going nowhere. And I'm expending all of this energy. God, when am I going to reach that destination? The Lord told me to tell you, be not weary. It is due season in your life. Glory to God, it is due season in your life. It's due season in your life. Glory to God, it's due season. It's due season. He also said it's due season, D-O. D, due season, D-O. That goes into, he, he's, a, he's a strategic God because you sung that, he gave me that, that, that precursor of a word what I'm about to preach right now and it's going to all tie up and you're going to see how, how God is, is so strategic I didn't know what she was going to sing I didn't plan to get up and say that but I did plan to say this what the Lord has given me Exodus chapter 4 Exodus chapter 4 I'm going to start at verse 1 it's going to be quite a bit of reading I hope you brought your Bibles with you if you're watching online I hope you got your Bibles with you the Lord has given me a word, and I am excited to share. Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Exodus 4 and 1. We honor the presence of the Lord in this place. The Bible says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst. You don't need a crowd. You just need somebody who also is, is going in the same direction, who is also has an open heart to worship God with you. Some people need crowds, and some people need everybody to agree. All you need is one other person. If one can chase a 1,000, the Bible says two can chase 10,000. God said, when I see you coming together, I'm going to multiply it. It won't even make sense according to man's calculations the way I multiply it, but I'm going to multiply it because I, I see unity. When you have it, say amen. Exodus 4 and 1. I'm going to read out of the NIV, so it's going to read a little, little different for you. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. 
Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. And he ran from it. Then the Lord said unto him, reach your hand, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, saith the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of our fa their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside of your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside of his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous, and it had become as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. He shall speak, you shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if you were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. Hmm. It's a pretty interesting conversation. What if they don't believe me? I'm not eloquent. I'm a slow speech. What if I get out there and make a fool of myself? For a few minutes, I want to talk about your excuses don't work for God. Your excuses don't work for God. Hashtag no more excuses. Let's pray. Father, in this moment, we come to you humbly submitting ourselves to your will and to your way. We bow our heads in submission to you. Whatever it is you have to say to us, 
disturbed here to speak. Speak, God, at the volume of the book. Speak, Lord, to our hearts, to our situations, to our minds. We thank you, Lord, for correction. We thank you, Lord, for conviction. We thank you for clarity. We thank you for direction. We give you praise, glory, and honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Your excuses don't work with God. Hashtag or pound signs for some of us, no more excuses. Helen Keller said, people do not like to think. If one thinks, he must reach conclusions. Conclusions are not always pleasant. Helen Keller was both blind and mute. Another person said that excuses make sure your life is the same as it was yesterday. Isn't that interesting? This is going to be a very um, uh, word-driven message. So if you keep your Bibles out, if you got, if you turn in pages, keep you know, keep your finger there. Or if, you, if not, then just keep your finger. Uh, keep the app open because we're going to go back and forth and I'm going to show you a few things. The last few weeks we talked about the story of Joseph and how Joseph was the predecessor of Moses and how Joseph, when the Bible opens up in Joshua, uh, jo Joshua, I'm sorry, I got the J's. Joshua 1, the Lord says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Talks about how now I'm going to take you, Joshua, and I'm going to make you a mighty leader because you have followed Moses. So if you're like me, you watch these all these series that come on on your Netflix and your Hulu. And so when a series is really good, they do what's called a prequel. A prequel is where they go and explain the characters previous to the series that you just watched. So today we're going to talk about the prequel to Joshua and the prequel to how Joshua came to leadership by talking more about Moses today. So when we begin to talk about Moses, there's a few things I, wanna, I want you to understand. The book of Exodus opens up and it talks about how after the death of uh, Joseph and his generations, and Joseph remember how uh, the Lord had given him favor in Potiphar's house, he had given him favor in Pharaoh's house, and he had given him favor and Joseph had brought his brothers in once they had finally come back into relationship with Joseph. Uh, he began to have the relationship with them, and uh, Pharaoh had favored him and his brothers and, and began to give them all kind of riches and, and the spoils of the land because he favored Joseph. And so now there's this new Pharaoh after Joseph and his brothers died. There's this new Pharaoh in power, and he knows nothing of Joseph, cares nothing about Joseph, and he didn't really uh, uphold the past um, uh, covenants that the past Pharaoh had had. And so now you have the children of Israel. They, the Bible says that they grew in great number. They it were exceedingly fruitful. The land was filled with them, as the Scripture says. And so now this new Pharaoh, this new 
king of Egypt because he knew nothing about uh, Joseph and and now he has become intimidated by the great number of these Hebrew, these Israelites. And so he was afraid that they may become so, um, um, they were grew in, in such a great number that he was afraid they would one day begin to overtake him. And so he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to enslave these people and I am going to make these people work for us. And, but the Bible says he began to oppress the people and enslave them. And the Bible says that, that the more he oppressed them, the more that they grew. Isn't that funny that the enemy thinks that the more he oppresses you, he's going to suppress you and oppress you, and he thinks you're going to wither down and cower down. But the Bible says that the more that they were oppressed, the more that they multiplied. Isn't that funny? And so that they multiplied so much that the Pharaoh put an order out. He said, now there's so many people, they're going to rise up and become a great army and come against us. Whenever there is a male child born, I want you to kill every male child that is born. And if it's a female baby, then you can keep the baby. But the male babies, we're going to kill them off because we got to control the numbers. And so the Hebrew women, they were the midwives, they said, okay, we're going, we, we fear the Lord more than we fear you. So when the babies were born, they did not kill the boys as they were commanded by Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh came to him and said, why are you not doing what I asked you to do? You're supposed to be killing these boys. I told you that you're supposed to be killing every male child that comes. And they said, oh, well, you know, the... The, these uh, Egyptian, these Hebrew women are not like the Egyptians. Every time we get the call, this is just me paraphrasing, but when we get the call, those Egyptian women, they, they take a little longer. The Hebrew women, they would just spit them out real fast, and, and we didn't get time to make it. So we tried, but, you know, we could just never make it on time. By the time we made it, the baby was out. So he said, okay, well, you know, I still put that order in the decree. Now, when we get to Moses, his mother, because she was afraid of this decree that was out by Pharaoh that said that you need to kill every new male uh, Hebrew that, that is born, she hid the baby. Like any good mother would, she did not want her son to die. She hid him for three months. And the Bible says when he, she could no longer hide him, she made a boat, a waterproof boat, and she began to uh, send him down the Nile and sell, uh, put him in this boat to sail, hopefully to a new family that would find him and take care of him because she did not want him to be killed because she loved the baby. So she sent him down the Nile River and sent his sister Miriam to kind of watch the boat and see where her brother goes. And the Bible says that the, the baby was sent in this waterproof boat down the Nile River where he would run into Pharaoh's daughter, who happens to be at the same time bathing in the Nile River. I think it's interesting that, that she sent this baby in a waterproof boat, sent him down the Nile River, and this baby was now floating down a river full of alligators, full of hippos, full of water creatures, but never succumbed by any of those creatures because he was covered and he had a calling on his life from the Lord. And so I want to start off by telling you, you've got to pay attention to the small things because 
The enemy could have has been trying to take some of you out all of your life, but God has been covering you even from your birth, even when you were unaware. The Bible says that when, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us when we were unaware of him and unaware of his goodness, unaware of how good God was and how he was going to take care of us and unaware of his grace and his mercy. He was still keeping you. You were gloated down. Other people had had sailed down and had died, but because of the goodness of the Lord and the favor of the Lord and the calling of the Lord on your life, you were able to sail through some things that other people died in. So this baby is sailing down the Nile River, and Pharaoh's daughter happens to be coming out and, and to take a bath. And so she sees the baby. She sees this basket and goes and and opens the basket up, and she sees this male child, and she knows it's a Hebrew child. And so she said, I am going to keep this child as my own. Some historians say that she decided to keep the child as her own because she was not able to bear children. So she kept the son as her own and said, "I because she was Pharaoh's daughter, she said, I'm going to hire one of the Hebrew women to take care of this child. Unbeknownst to her, she hires the boy's mother to take care of the child. I want you to hear that again. She hires the boy's mother to take care of the child that she just found. Look again at how strategic your God is. This woman sent her son down the river because she was afraid of what could happen to him. And God said, I'm going to favor him and you so much that I am not only going to keep the child, but I'm going to bring you back in relationship. I'm going to have you to take care of the child you sent away. And by the way, I'm going to pay you for doing it. I think we, we should really not gloss over the fact of how how strategic and how good God is. And so sometimes we don't understand how when we are playing checkers, God is playing chess. And so while what the enemy meant for evil, God will always make it good. And so we need to look at how strategic God is. If Romans 8, 8 and 28 is, is true that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord, who are called according to his purpose, how God puts this in place and this had to happen in order for this to happen. And if that didn't happen, this wouldn't have happened. And I got to thank God that he is much wiser than me because some of us would have been too afraid to put our son down the Nile River, to put our baby in this unforeseen, this unknown place to send him somewhere you're not really sure where he's going to end up, but because you trust the Lord. And some of us are so worried about what's going to happen next that, that you don't put your full trust in God, but if you can just trust the Lord, then he's going to work it out. In fact, he's already worked it out for you. I thank God for that, that his, his, his own mother got a chance to take care of her son and got paid for it. So Moses grows up in the house of Pharaoh the Egyptian, he grows up among the, the dignitaries and he grows up among the elite and he grows up 
with the fine dining, and he grows up in a house that that he could have never, his people never had dreamed they could live in. He grows up among the upper echelon of the community. He is in Pharaoh's house because that was by God's design, I think. But he is a Hebrew by nature. So the Bible says that one day he saw a Hebrew and a, a Hebrew and an Egyptian fighting. And because he was a Hebrew by nature, his birth, his culture, where he come from, who his people is, he was torn between, do I kill this Egyptian who is my new people, who raised me, or do I kill this Hebrew who is my kinfolks? So he had a tug of war. And some of you are in a tug of war between where you were raised and who you're tied to. And there's nothing worse than having that tug of war between your history and your present future. Because some of us are you, the Lord has blessed you, and he has blessed you to see beyond where many people in your family and neighborhood have seen. But yet, will you feel funny when you go around them because they want to talk about the past. They want to talk about what happened back in the day. They want to talk about y'all growing up and the whoopings you used to get and all that kind of stuff. And you want to talk about where you are and where you're going. They can't relate. And so you have this, this choice you have to make. Do I not go around my family who I love because I know what they're going to be talking about? And some of them are going to be smelling a little funny because they don't went down the street, you know, that the cousin's grocery store run. Or do I now just give in and just go and hang with the people that I now associate with? who you have no history with. But because the Lord has blessed you, you feel more connected to them, yet you're still tied to the past. That makes sense? And so the Bible says he killed the, he, he killed the Egyptian for it. Killed him and buried him in the sand. Killed him, buried him in the, in the sand. He was afraid. Then he saw two Hebrews fighting. And he told them, you should stop fighting. And they said, well, who are you to come tell us what to do? What are you going to do? You're going to kill us like you did the Egyptians? And so then the Bible says Moses got afraid and he began, he ran because he knew now that Pharaoh was after him. And he ran to uh, Midian. And because while he was in Midian, he ran into uh, some uh, shepherds who had come to this group of women who had come to the well and they were running the women off and so he, he, he defended the women and so he, they, the women brought him to their father Jethro and so he, his, he awarded Moses with their daughter, with his daughter Zipporah and made her his wife. And he was tending to Jethro's flock of sheep. Backside of the desert now. He's away from Pharaoh's house. He's away from the glitz and the glamour. He has run, 
Now he's tending sheep. He's, he's tending to these dumb animals. He's doing something that is beneath what he's been raised in. And as he was doing that, the Bible says that he ran across this bush that was on fire. Now, a bush on fire is not uncommon being in the desert, but this bush was a bit different because the bush was on fire, but it was not consumed. It was not burning up. Normally, if a bush is on fire, it would quickly uh, be on fire, and because the fire was burning this, this brittle, dry thing, it wouldn't take long. It would be succumbed to the fire, and it'd be dried out. But the Bible says that he, he said, oh, I, I should turn back and look at this thing because it's an unusual, strange thing. And he turned and looked at it and saw it wasn't consumed by the fire, and he began to get closer to it because he felt like it was something strange and something unusual happening within this bush, and he wanted to investigate. And as he began to investigate it, he heard a voice. And the voice said, Moses, stay right there. Take off your shoes, for the ground you stand on is holy ground. I want to tell somebody who is afraid of the voice that you're hearing, the thing that God is calling you to, it's very specific for somebody, whether you're watching online, whether you're in this room, you hear a voice calling you, but because it does not come in the same fashion it has always come in, you are afraid to turn and face it head on directly. But I want to tell you that that voice that you hear is the voice of the Lord. Take off your shoes, for the ground you stand on is holy ground. Why did he have him take off his shoes? Because I don't want anything in between you and I. And I don't want something that's been walking in the dirty mud, something that's been walking among the sheep, that's been walking in the dung, that's been walking in the filthy place, to touch the holy place now that I have set for you. So that means that you have to take off something of your past. You have to be willing to take off the thing that is going to separate but the thing, you and I, and be willing to step forward towards the voice that's calling you, and I don't want anything in between you and I to hold you back. Take off your shoes, for the ground you stand on is holy ground. And so he began to talk to Moses. And so if you got your Bibles, I want you to look, let's look at, at verse number, uh, chapter number three, because there was, there was so much in it. I couldn't, I couldn't really go pinpoint it and really look at exactly what I wanted to pull out. I just had to just copy and paste the whole chapter. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I'm going to just quickly uh, go down and, 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 and highlight a few things. I already talked about take off your shoes for the ground you stand on is holy ground. And in verse number 7, the Lord said, I have seen the afflictions of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmaster, for I know their sorrows. The Lord said, I know your sorrows. I have heard your cry. I hear you crying when nobody else hears you crying. Your tears and your cries have reached up to heaven. Isn't that amazing that while your tears fall down your face, 
they actually are going in reverse and reaching up to heaven. So I don't want you to ever feel like your tears are being wasted, that your tears are worthless, because while your tears are falling down, they're also falling up as well. And he said in verse 8, I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them out unto a land, good land, and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. He said, I got not just a land, a good land, a large land. God's about to put you in a large place. I feel this is a prophetic word this morning. I don't feel like this is a message per se. This is a prophetic word. This is a prophetic utterance. That's why I started out with this Helen Keller uh, uh, quote because this is going to be a tough morning because this morning the Lord is giving you the choice to decide. The Lord is giving you the choice to decide whether you're going to stay comfortable in your excuses or whether you're going to heed the word of the Lord. Because the land that I have for you is a good land that's going to flow with milk and honey. And Moses said unto God, I'm in verse 11, Who am I that I should go into Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And many of you are saying, who am I that I'm going to overcome this? Who am I that I'm going to get beyond where I am? Who am I that I'm going to be the curse breaker in my family? Who am I? Who am I that I'm going to be the one walking in true healing? Who am I that I'm going to be the one having a successful marriage? Who am I that I'm going to be the one having a successful business? Who am I? Who am I, Lord, that I'm going to go unto Pharaoh? that I'm going to be a curse breaker and bring my family out. Who am I? This is what you need to see. And he said, certainly I will be with you. Certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. That's it. And when he brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. Then Moses said, okay, that's fine. But when I go and tell them, who, what, 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 what is his name? What, who, who am I going to say that, I'm, I, that sent me? When I say I'm, I'm going to break these curses and, and here I am, I'm going I'm to stand and, and declare that my family's coming out of debt, that my family is coming out of this, this impoverished spirit. Who, who, who am I going to say sent me? And the Lord said, tell them I am that I am has sent thee. I am that I am has sent thee. I am that I am. I, I want to praise God because... That's so complete within itself. I am that I am has sent you. I am that I am. There is no period 
There is no beginning. There is no end. I am that I am. What do you need me for? I am healing. What do you need me for? I am deliverance. What do you need me for? I'm a counselor. What do you need me for? I'm a doctor. What do you need me for? I'm an attorney. What do you need me for? I'm the jury and the judge. What do you need me for? I'm cold. What do you need me for? I'm hot. What do you need me for? I'm the beginning. What do you need me for? I am the end. I am that I am. There is nobody who can define me. Tell them I am that I am. I'm both here and there. And I'm over here at right now while I'm over there right now. I'm both up and down. I'm both left and right. I'm both front and back. I am that I am. That's who sent you. Whenever you get ready to walk into a job or apply for an application, apply for anything, apply for a grant, apply for a loan, apply for a job, apply for a house, you need to know that I am, that I am has sent you. Whenever you get ready to make the next move in your life, you need to know that I am, that I am sent you. Don't walk in fear because the I am has sent you. What is he? Whatever you need at that moment, the I am has sent you there. I don't have to be afraid of you. The I am has sent me. If I was serving anything else or another God, after a certain period of time, you will run out of descriptions. But he said, I am that I am has sent you. There is nothing that you can put in front of me that I will not be able to conquer. There is nothing you can put in front of me that I cannot subdue. I am that I am has sent you. And he said, go and gather the elders together. This is verse 16. And say unto them, the Lord God, your fathers, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob appeared and, and have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. Then he began to talk to him, and he said, Tell him in verse 19, and I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, not by a mighty hand, and I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with my wonders, which I do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go, and I will give people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall come to pass, when ye go, ye shall not go empty. Listen again. Verse 19, he said, I know when you go, I know when you try to break this curse, I know when you're trying to confront this thing, it's not going to let you go easily. I know that. I already got it worked out. See, look at how strategic your God is because he's already saying, I'm with you. He's already saying that I know that thing that's been holding you back will not let you go easily. It's been in your bloodline too long. It's been with you all of your life. It's not just going to let you go easily. But I will stretch out my hand and will smite 
Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst of it. He said, I'm going to stretch out my hand and I'm going to make my wonders on full display to get you out. He said, I'm going to put my wonders on full display to put you out. I already know when you get ready to confront this thing that it's not going to let you go easily. So I already got a plan in place when you confront it. It may not let you go easily, but it's going to have to let you go because I'm going to unlock all my wonders on it. And you're not only going to come out, but you're not going to come out empty. <laughs> Glory to God. That's the word for somebody. You're not going to come out empty. He said you will not come out empty. I don't know who that's for. I don't know what you're fighting. I don't know what Pharaoh is standing up in your life, but the Bible says that you will not go out empty. God's going to have you go out of this thing. You're going to have so much stuff on you. If, you would, if we would keep reading, that he would say, Pharaoh got mad because he took the gross wealth of Egypt and the people had it on his backs. And God said, I'm going to give you favor with that thing and you're not going to come out of that thing empty-handed, but I'm going to have you with so much stuff on your back. It's going, you're going to be carrying it. You're going to be dragging it. You're going to have so much wealth from it. I wish you would believe, God, that this test that you're going through this storm you're going through, you are not going to come out of it empty. I'm going to put my full wonders on display. Glory to God. Glory to God. The end of verse 22, ye shall spoil the Egyptians. You're going to have everything they have. You're going to have everything the Egyptians have because I'm going to go before you. I've already set things up in place. I've already set things up for your good. I've already set things up for you to win. I've already set everything into alignment for you to win. I've already set everything up that I am going to do in your life. I've already set the storm, the end of the storm. I set it. I already knew it before you got in it. Nothing that you're going through, no affliction that you're encountering is a surprise to me. There is nothing about you that takes me by surprise. There's nothing about you that catches me off guard. I am God and God alone. So before Pharaoh ever thought about enslaving the Hebrew people, God said, I already had a plan in place for your deliverance. Before that thing ever came into your life to confront you, God already gave you, had a plan in place that one day you're going to get out of that thing. One day you're going to be in it, but I already got a plan in place and an end date and an expiration date that you are going to come out of that thing. And then Moses begins to answer him in verse 4. One of chapter four where we started. What if they don't believe me? What if what if what if I say it and they don't believe me? What if I what if I come in and I and I and I get to quoting scriptures? What if I come in and, and just plead the blood? What if I come in and I say 
we coming out of this thing? What if I come in and say, devil, get out of here? And what if I come in and say that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be better? And what if I come in and say I'm going to conquer this thing? And what if I come in and say that and they don't believe me? I want you to hear this, this, this negotiation, this bantering back and forth. That, that what if I come in and they don't believe me? When I got to reading it, it sounded really familiar, the question that Moses was asking. And it began to sound like somebody that I know. It began to sound like me. If you listen to it, how many of us can find ourselves in verse number one? What if I do it, God, and nobody believes? What if I try it, God, and it doesn't work? What if I try it? What if I go after it and nobody believes me? What if I go after it, God, and it doesn't work? What if I go after it, God, and it doesn't happen the way I think it's going to happen? What if I go after it, God? What if I go after it and it doesn't work out? And God said, okay, I hear you. But I'm going to give you signs that it's not only going to work, but I'm going to give you signs that I'm going to do something unusual to do it, to prove to you that it's going to work. Because remember, I'm on your side. See, here's the problem. If Moses was going in his own strength, then yes, I would understand the doubt. You already read previously in chapter 3 where the Lord said, I am going to be with you. He said, certainly, I am going to be with you. Certainly, I'm going to put my works on full display. But then, Moses says, after hearing all of that, but what if they don't believe me? And how many of us, after God himself has spoken and said, surely I'm going to give you that thing. Surely I'm going to bring you out. Surely you're coming out of this thing. This is God, the one who stepped out on nothing and said, let there be. This is God who took the stars out of his eyes and put, put them in the universe. This is God, the one who created light days before the sun ever came into play. This is God, the God of heaven and earth. This is God. He is the God of the universe, he is God of eternity and time. He is the God that can do anything but lie. And he is telling you, I am going to be with you. I know the fight you're about to face. I know the hell you're going to come against. But don't worry because I've already given you the victory in it. 
And instead of Moses praising him because he got the victory, his first question is, what if they don't believe me? How many of us, God gives you a direct command and God says, I'm going to be with you. And the first thing you ask is, what if I don't get it? What if I get fired? What if I get laid off? What if the loan is denied? What if we break up? God has already said, I'm going to be with you. And instead of you praising God, instead of us saying, okay, Lord, my first question is, where do I go now with all these spoils you have for me? What neighborhood should I move into when I get this new job? What area? Who should I bless first, God, when I get this increase? Who, sh who can I bless first, God? The first question Moses asks is, what if they don't believe me? This is God talking. You got to remember, he appeared to Moses in a burning bush in an unusual way. They had an unusual relationship. Nobody had encountered God like Moses, and mo nobody had encountered Moses like God. Y'all got an unusual relationship. God speaks to you much differently than he speaks to your spouse. He speaks to you much differently than he speaks to somebody else in your family. You all have different conversations. And the first thing you ask God is, what if it doesn't work? This is, this is the bantering I want you to hear. And the thing that Moses was really afraid of was because verse number 10 he says, I've never been eloquent, Lord. Not in times past or nothing, and I'm slow of speech. I, I, I stutter. What, 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 what happens if I go and they don't believe? And I'm going to sound. Foolish, commanding these people, and the Pharaoh with a stutter, and because of how I sound, I'm afraid I won't be. How many of us are afraid to open your mouth because of the way it sounds? And it may not be a stutter, but because you don't have confidence in what you're saying. And you are afraid to open your mouth because you have deemed what you say to be less powerful than the thing you're saying it to. 
You have given so much power and authority to the thing that the Lord has given you to speak to that you don't speak to it because you deem that to be more powerful than what God gave you to speak. And the Lord said, if you do the speaking, verse 15, I'm going to put my words in your mouth. You do the speaking. You open your mouth. And I'm going to give you what to say. If you open your mouth, I'm going to give you what to say. If I was asking you to go in your own strength, that would be one thing. Then I would understand your apprehension. If I was asking you to go in your own strength, I would understand you being worried. If I was asking you to rebuke the devil according to your name, I would understand the hesitation. But I'm not asking you to do that. If I was asking you to go and plant this company in your name, I would understand the hesitation. I would understand why you wouldn't. But I'm not asking you to do none of that in your name. I'm asking you to stand in my place. Stand and, and come in my name, in my authority. And you open your mouth and my words will flow out. You go. I need you to do the walking, and I'm going to do the works. We, I said it in the beginning of the message. This is due season, D-O season. This is your season to do it. This is your season where you're going to go after it. This is your season where no more excuses that you have told yourself. Because I wasn't born in the right place. Because I didn't have the right education. Because I didn't have this upbringing. Because I didn't have support from that person. Will none, none of those excuses will work for God. No more excuses. The Lord has already said, I'm going to go before you. No more excuses will work. Because I've already went before you. And I've already made the crooked path straight. This is about your obedience to me. This is about trusting me in uncomfortable situations and sounding like a fool to the natural ear. But to the spirit, you were saying Devil, get out of my house. I command you to go in the name of Jesus. In your spirit, the spirit of the Lord is speaking up and saying, this is where we're going to take authority. In your spirit, the Lord is saying, I have given you the land to possess it, but your words may sound like they have a stutter. That's your natural words. But I've already worked out things in the spirit. But I need you to do the walking, and I'm going to get the glory out of you. I'm going to get the glory out of that foolish thing that comes out of your mouth that you can't understand, and it sounds crazy, and it sounds moronic, and it's, you feel like an idiot. 
And here you are applying again and doing it again and trying it again and looking for it again and looking for another house and trying to go here. But the Lord said, if you just do what I ask you to do, weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper if you will keep reading. He said, I know Pharaoh's going to be a hard, he's going to make his heart hard because I want to show Pharaoh that I've been in control this whole time. See, the Egyptian people worship multiple gods. And the Hebrews worship the true and living God. So he said, I know the fight is not going to be easy. I didn't plan on making it easy because I wanted to show my strength made perfect in your weakness. I gave you the stutter so I can show that almighty God can speak to a stuttering person. I gave you the weakness so I can show almighty God can work through a weak person like you. I gave you that flaw so I can show almighty God can work through a flawed individual like Thank you. And I want to praise God because none of your excuses will be able to work from this day forward. The Lord said, no more excuses. Your excuses are RIP. Rest in peace because they are dead to you now. The excuses that you have been using in the past will not work. Glory to God. This is, this is, let me show you this too. This is why, this is why many of us are afraid to look foolish in front of other people. One reason is because we esteem them higher than we esteem ourselves. The second reason is we give them more power than what they rightfully deserve. When the reality is no matter who the Lord has given you to confront, we all had the same start. Let me show you. Genesis 2 and 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living thing. No matter who is in front of you, we all started from the dirt. We all started from the dirt we start, from the dirt we go back. So there's no need for me to be afraid of anybody. There's no need for me to be afraid of any person because you started as dirt and you're going to go back as dirt. And so no matter what you try to say to me, if you don't take a bath, you'll stink. So God said, I want you to take away all those excuses as to why you can't do this and why you can't do that and why you can't be as great as this person or why you can't be as great as that person. We all started out as dirt. The Lord said, I'm killing those excuses you've been using. No more excuses. Touch your neighbor, no more excuses. Touch your neighbor and say, no more excuses. Look at the person across the room and say, no more excuses. No more excuses. I want to I I I go down and I want to drill this down just a little bit further. Can I take about 10 more minutes? I want to drill it down a little bit further because I know what some of you are saying. <clears throat> You're saying, okay, well, that's not my problem, okay? So you don't have speech problems like Moses. You got family problems, okay? Look at David. David had family problems. You say, I, I have self-doubting problems, okay? Look at Elijah. You have 
a bad temper, you okay. Look at Peter, you're full of skepticism. Look at Thomas, you're unattractive and you're boring. Look at Paul. Paul was so boring that the Bible said that Paul was given a speech and the man fell out of the window and died. And Paul had to go downstairs and wake the man up out of death. You said, I have a questionable past. Now, okay, he said, look at, look at the former harlot. Look at the former call girl uh, Rahab that I used before. You said, I'm a liar. He said, look at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who had the same problem. You said, I have woman problems. Okay, Solomon, I have drinking problems. Okay, Noah, I'm a conflicted person. Okay, Paul, that which I would do, I do not do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of sin and death? You said, I'm an unlearned person. Look at Peter. I'm an old man. Look at Moses. Moses was 80. When he delivered the children of Israel out of the hand of the Egyptian, I have lack of resources. Okay, little boy with the two fish and the five loaves of bread. That's no more excuses. The Lord said, you, I, you said, I have nothing. He said, okay, cool. That's fine. Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning, God stepped out on nothing and said, let there be. So God said, there's no more excuses that you will be able to use because every excuse that you want to use, I will show you somebody in my word that I used and made them blessed because of the excuse that they had because they did not allow themselves to give in to the excuse that they had. I used that person in spite of the tempers, in spite of the skepticism, in spite, in spite of your past, in spite of being unlearned, in spite of being conflicted. Paul was conflicted and wrote most of the New Testament. In spite of all of that, I'm going to use all of that to get my glory out of your life. There's no more excuses. No more excuses. There is no more excuses. No more excuses will you be able to get away with and think, okay, Lord, I tried. It didn't, it didn't work. You can be rebellious, Jonah, and end up in that, the belly of the fish. But when you get out of that belly, you still got to go and do my will. God said, I'm going to tear down every excuse you have. Every excuse you have because I am going to get the glory out of your life and I'm going to use you. This is not, hear me clearly, this is not about an opportunity. This is about your legacy. No matter how old you are, this is the legacy you're going to leave in this earth. This is not about just an opportunity. This is about your legacy. And the Lord said, I am going to do something in you. When you stop coming to me with these excuses, I am going to use you in a mighty way. He said, you say you don't have the resource? Where there is vision, there is provision. He says, I will pay for what I order. I didn't have, ask you to have the money. 
I'm asking you to have the willingness to trust me. I am going to provide for you. I didn't ask you, Moses, to have the eloquent words. Have my word. If you have my word, and if my word is simply let my people go, that's all you need because you're going to come in my authority. The Lord has said, these last four months of the year, I'm going to begin to do a thing in you that's going to set you on a trajectory for the rest of your life. And your 2024 is going to be a result of what you do at the rest of 2023. I am going to begin to set your life on a trajectory that it has never seen before. And everybody else around you is going to say, isn't that that Hebrew boy that had the bad stutter? But look how he's leading the people out. Look how God is using him. The thing that's in your hand, mind you. He said, what if they don't believe me? What's in your hand? Throw it down. And the Lord said, thank you, God. When Moses threw that stick down and it became a snake, it was so powerful it scared him. And the Lord said, don't be afraid when I begin to show you my works. Some of you, it's going to be so mighty that when you get the first results, you're going to be afraid of it because it's going to be more than you anticipated. He said, but if you would just listen to me, back up again and keep going and do not be afraid because I am showing you how mighty I am. That snake, though the snake may be poisonous, though the snake may be venomous, though that thing, and this is what I want you to see, it's not just the snake, it's what it what the stick turned into. It turned into this powerful thing that many people are scared of, that many people are intimidated by. But the Lord said, the thing that is about to happen in your life, what when you begin to walk after my voice, it's gonna be so mighty that some people are afraid of it. And some people have been afraid to actually go after the thing that this stick has turned into because of the power, because of the perception because of how high I'm about to take you. Some people have been afraid of that thing. But the Lord said, pick it back up because that thing is working for me. It's working for me. I'm going to release a glory on your life. I'm going to release a glory on your life. I'm going to release a glory on your life. Other people may not know what to do and know how to handle it. But that is for you. Pick it back up again. Pick it back up again. And some people are going to say, how do you, how are you able to handle this thing? How are you able just to walk around with this thing? God said, I'm going to give you the grace to deal with it. I'm giving you the grace to handle it. Because the thing is working for me. When you no longer allow 
those excuses to run your life, I'm going to get you to give you the grace to handle that thing that has killed others. With this new level, there's going to come a new level of stress. And God said, I'm giving you the, the, the management. I'm giving you the grace to handle the stress that's going to come with the blessing. I'm going to give you the management, the mind, the mind to handle this new level I'm taking you on. The mind to handle it. The mind to handle it. When, when, when the children of Israel crossed through the Red Sea on dry ground, Moses got to the Red Sea and had to lift up the staff and the waters departed. And he began to answer the people's question. They were in the wilderness. He began to answer them. They were coming to him for counsel. And he was trying to handle all of the stress. He had to go back to his father, Jethro. And Jethro said, you need to put a system in place. You need to put order in place. And that's how you're going to handle the stress. That's how you're going to handle all these people. You put order in, uh, you put order in this chaos. And that's how you're going to be able to manage it. And the Lord said, what's about to happen in your life is going to be stressful. But I'm going to give you order in this stress. It's going to feel chaotic because it's going to be so fast. It's going to feel chaotic because it's going to be so fast. But I promise you, I'm going to give you direction and clarity there. I'm hearing doors, 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 doors. I'm hearing doors swing open and some doors swing and close because God is showing you that's not the answer. That's not it. That's not it. That's not it. That's not it. But I hear a door swinging open. The moment you get rid of your excuses, you will find my power. You get rid of your excuses, you will find my power. It's waiting on you to drop those excuses like a bad habit. I'm done. I'm, I'm done in just a second. But many of us use the excuse that I just read off because it is more comfortable to use those excuses that other people have used in your family, in your company, because nobody is going to do, nobody in your family, nobody who you are connected has done what you are about to do. There is no recollection of anybody in Moses' family ever doing what he did. That's the reason why God is using you. That's the reason why God is opening doors like he's opening for you. I'm making you a standout. You're going to stand out from everybody else. You're going to stand out. This is your legacy. This is your legacy. When you cross over, you transition. Because you receive salvation, you're going to hear the words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. The moment you cross over, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 
you're going to hear the word. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you rule over many. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. Well done. You're going to hear those words. It's a guarantee. That's according to his word. You're going to hear those words. You're going to hear the Lord say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. My question for you is, can you look back at your life and say, well done? Can you look back? He's going to say it because of salvation. But can you look back at your life and say, well done? Can you look back and say, I gave life everything I had. I gave it everything I had. Every obstacle, or at least most of the obstacle that came in my way, I took dominion over it. At the end of your life, can you look back and say, well done. Well done. I had some bumps. I had some bruises. I felt like quitting. I did quit a couple of times. I felt like dying. I felt like walking away. I wasn't always perfect. But you know what? Well done. I did everything I could with the power God gave me. I trusted God and I walked on water when other people stayed in the boat. Well done. Well done. I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of me. I can clap for myself. I can, I, can, I can applaud my own accomplishments and tell myself, you lived a good life. Or will he say, well done, and you'll be begging for more time because I wasn't quite finished. I would have, I would have, could have, should have, I just needed this, I just needed that. He said, go back to chapter 3, I already told you, certainly I'll be with you. I already told you I'm with you, I already told you I'm for you. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Can you say it to yourself? I'm going to ask you that you would stand to your feet, every head bowed, every eye closed. This is where we're going to drop every excuse. This is where we're going to repent for every excuse we may have made. And we're going to just make a determination and a proclamation that, Lord, I give it all to you. Every excuse, every worry, every piece of stress, Every lie I've told myself to stay in this condition, every lie somebody else has told me, every lie the enemy has told me, I'm going to be determined to listen to you. 
The Spirit of the Lord is here. The Spirit of the Lord is here. The Spirit of the Lord is here. Drop it. 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 Yes, that excuse. Yes, that excuse. Yes, that excuse. Yes, that one. That one that you keep telling yourself. That one. That one that you say, the reason why you can't go higher, that one. That one, the reason why you say, my family can never be like that, that one, that one. The reason why you say you can't walk in obedience, that one. The reason why you say you can't walk in holiness, that one, that one. Thank you for liberation and freedom. Thank you for setting us free this morning. That excuse is dead. In Jesus' name, amen. Put the hands, put your hands together and celebrate the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. that you would uh, gather your seeds as we would as we partner your partner seeds I'm gonna start calling them partner seeds and not just offering if you're watching online you want to you want to sow into this ministry you want to partner with this ministry we have a uh, we have the links below we have uh, everything online for you to partner with this ministry this is a growing thriving ministry that the Lord is using in a mighty way. No more excuses. Your excuses don't work with God. I'm going to challenge you. To go beyond what you normally do because we're going somewhere we've never been. And I'm going to challenge you. We're all stretching. God is stretching us. Tell your neighbor, give me some room because God is stretching. I'm going to be stretched. I'm going to be stretched. I'm going to be stretched. For some of us that's longer days and shorter nights, I'm going to be stretched. For some of us that's working, uh, get, waking up earlier, going to bed later, I'm going to be stretched. For some of us that's reading more, I'm going to be stretched. For some of us that's being nicer, for some of us, that's being kinder. I'm going to be stretched. This is my stretched moment. People like to say this is, you're going into a new season. People love to say that. And this is your season. This is my season of winning. This is my season. I'm, I, I determined I'm going to stop saying that. Because this is not, a season changes. A season changes. I was just mentioning to my wife last night how it was almost 8 o'clock and how it was almost dark, where months ago, in June, it was almost still daylight. 
fully daylight. But I told her I can tell the seasons are changing again. So I don't believe that your this is your season. I believe this is the beginning of the best of your life. This is the beginning of the best of your life. You're about to walk into the best of your life. Your best days are ahead of you. A season has a time limit and changes, but I don't believe that. I don't believe that for my life. I don't believe that for your life. We are going into the best of our lives. Lift your seeds up to God. Lift your seeds up to God as we consecrate these seeds. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your omnipresence. We thank you, Lord, for your provision. We thank you, Lord, for your supernatural manifestation in our life. I thank you, Lord, for answering these seeds, God, with a harvest in ways that money cannot buy. I thank you, Lord, for financial harvest. But I thank you, Lord, for emotional harvest. I thank you for relational harvest. I thank you for a spiritual harvest. I thank you, God, for the doors that I heard in my spirit that you're opening, God. I thank you, God, that somebody's about to walk into that door, God. Thank you, Lord, for favor. You said that you would give us favor in our enemy's eyes. And the enemy won't even know what's happening. We will not go out empty. And I thank you, Lord, that because of our obedience in this seed, God, we're going to find favor. And the enemy won't even know he's working for you. Glory to God. Thank you, God, that we're not going to go out empty. I thank you, Lord, that we're about to come into a large land, a land flowing with milk and honey for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And amen. Um, you feel okay? I feel good. You feel okay, everybody? Yeah. I, I, if you were glad you came to church, clap your hands. God is doing something. God is doing something. God is doing something. I'm going to ask a few brothers if you can help me to, to uh, load up this stuff after service. Um, God is doing something. God is doing something. He's about to put you into a large place. A large, unexplainable place. It won't make sense for you. Not you. Not you. Not, not, not you. Logically, it won't make sense how you got to where you are. Put your point back and say, had it not been for the Lord on my side, what he's about to do in your life won't make logical sense, but it's what he's already got worked out for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Brian, let me have a mic, please. Let me have a microphone. Brother Robert, come on. Oh, we got one right here. Brother Robert, come on up here and pray to pray us out. Glory to God. I'll see y'all next week. I love you.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for being God and for being our God. You didn't have to call us, and you could have been anything you wanted, and you could have did this all the way you wanted to do it, but you chose to be this type of God that we can lean on, that we can trust, that we can follow, that we can depend on, and you give us a word that we can stand on. So, Lord, help us to leave here today because this is a word to stand on until we see you at the end. You gave us something today that is a direction. So give us the courage to drop the excuses, leave them here. It's time to do what you have for us to do. So bless us as we go forward because we're going to do it and we thank you protect us, cover us. Lord, we're going to listen for your voice and we're going to walk with what you say. So just cover us as we go forward. We thank you. We give you all honor and praise in Jesus' name. We pray, amen. Thank you.